Good morning. Welcome you to the house of the Lord this morning. Would you please stand and join me in the call to worship, which is printed in your bulletin. As the time came for him to be taken up into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna in the highest. Lord Jesus, as the people spread their coats and palm branches on the ground to welcome you into Jerusalem that day, so Lord, we welcome you into our lives this morning. You are the King of glory, the King of peace, the servant King, Lord. And we open our hearts to you this morning. Reign in us, we pray. Amen. Amen. Take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship this morning.
It is great to see you as we gather for worship today. Uh, just a few things that I want to bring to your attention. Uh, things that are in your bulletin. There are a number of inserts in your bulletin about upcoming events. Um, two of them are related to Holy Week. One is a schedule of activities. And this week we invite you to Monday Thursday service. If you haven't been a part of that service, I invite you to attend. It's a, it's a great time of reading scripture, of uh, symbolism, of Solitude, take communion together. Uh, there, there's just a lot going on in that gathering, so we hope you'll join us Thursday at seven o'clock. And uh, note, next Sunday schedule being Easter, it's a different than normal. Uh, seven forty-five, we have a resurrection baptism service. If you have an interest in being baptized, let me know uh, today or tomorrow, and we'll have a class on Wednesday, I think, to prepare people for that. And then we'll have breakfast afterwards. The youth group is hosting that breakfast, serving and making. And you see an insert in your bulletin about ways you can help them, a donating. And there's, a, as I said, there's an insert in there about that. And also at 10 o'clock, then we'll have one combined worship service uh, back here to celebrate Easter. I uh, do encourage you uh, to uh, take a look at the inserts and the other announcements in the bulletin and uh, participate in as much as you can. Please join me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin. Let us pray together. God, our Lord and Creator, we acknowledge that we have sinned against you. Our actions have fallen short of Christ. Our attitudes have not reflected Christ. Our words have not communicated Christ. We have been more concerned with our own comfort than with our neighbor's pain. We too often use our resources to protect what we want rather than being burdened with compassion for what others need. In our fascination with self, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. Nevertheless, you have kept faith with us. We ask for your mercy upon us. Strip us of all that is unchristian and help us to live up to our calling through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament scripture reading this morning is found in Psalm chapter 42, 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. 
a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of the Lord. At this time, I would invite you to stand and prepare to sing the doxology as the ushers come forward to assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings. Father, especially at this time of the year as we prepare for Easter Sunday, we remember and are grateful for the many, many blessings you have given us. Enable us now to joyfully return a portion of those to you. May these tithes and offerings be used to accomplish your work in this world. Amen.
Christ is wondrous. This morning, as we contemplate his love for us, we have the opportunity to offer our prayers to him. If you would like to use the altar rail as the place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Father, we are in awe of your wondrous love for us. Love that would continue to seek us and yearn for us. And even when we rejected your love, would never give up on us. Father, I pray that you this morning, that the reality of your great love would penetrate deep into our souls. Father, it's because of your love that we hear your call to come and to pour out to you the burdens and the concerns of our hearts. And so this morning we pray for all who are grieving. Grief comes to us in a variety of ways. We ask for your comfort upon every grieving heart. We pray for your healing upon all who are suffering and struggling. We pray, especially today, for Beulah Avery, Jill Tyson, for Vesta Mullen and Bruce Brenneman, for Bev Rett, Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, Dick Gould, Tim Nichols, Isla Shea, Edna Howard, Crystal Blake, Emily Crickler, and for others who are on our hearts and minds today and ask that you would bring your healing grace to each of them. Father, we pray for our world. We are so privileged in this nation. There are so many people in this world who do not have the basic necessities of life, food and water and shelter and safety. We pray for this world. We pray that you would supply food and water to those who need it and help us and your church to be a part of making this a reality. We pray for your protection upon people, particularly those who are most vulnerable. We pray for places of shelter. We ask, Father, that your grace would bear on those who are most needy in this world. We think of those who are suffering from the Ebola virus and other diseases. We ask for your healing and for an end to these tragedies. We pray for the, the family and friends who are grieving the plane crash earlier this week. Comfort them. 
We pray, Father, for our brothers and sisters, many of whom in this world face opposition, threats, persecution. Lord, we pray that you would give them courage, protection, strength, faithfulness. Help them to know of our love, our support, our prayers, and we ask that their faithfulness would inspire us in ours. Father, as we move into this Holy Week, and we particularly contemplate the suffering and the death of Jesus, stir our hearts anew with the depths that you are willing to go in order to reconcile us to you, to set us free from the bondage of sin and to give us new life. We thank you for Jesus. We offer our prayer in his name, remembering the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. to judge thee have in hate pretended thy foes derided by thine own rejected O most the guilty who brought this upon thee alas my treason Jesus hath undone thee twas I Lord Jesus I it was denied thee I crucified
Therefore, kind Jesus, since I cannot pay thee, I do adore thee, and will ever pray thee, think on thy pity, and thy love unswerving. My Our New Testament passage for this morning is found in Mark chapter 14, verse 32 to 42. In keeping with the tradition of the church, I would invite you to stand, if you're able, for the reading of the gospel. <clears throat> they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away, and he prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping, because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the word of the Lord.
Please be seated. The more I think I have figured out prayer, the more I realize how little I really know about prayer. It is one of those mysterious parts of our relationship with God and being a follower of Christ. Sometimes it feels as though some things have come clear and I've figured them out and then I read something or talk to someone or you know, hear something and look at scripture and it seems like maybe it's just gibberish. And I think that's probably right because we're dealing with the supernatural, we're dealing with the divine. And to think that we could ever come to the place where we could fully, completely, totally understand God, to put God into our box is a mistake. But there are things that we can learn about prayer. And we're continually trying to learn about it. And people through the ages have been trying to learn about it. I did a, just a quick search on Amazon this week and just typed in the word prayer. And I think there were 380 some thousand entries that came up. Of books and music and various things related to prayer. And some of them relate to probably to other religions. But it just reveals how much we're trying to figure it out. And one of the questions that people will often ask me is how long when it doesn't happen? How, how, much, how much do you repeat prayers? When is enough enough? When does it move from, from asking God to badgering God? I think the reason we ask that question is we, we're a little concerned about being repetitious with our prayers. There are traditions of the church, actually the Wesleyan tradition in the holiness movement, was very skeptical of written prayers, of some of the, uh, the liturgy and the litanies of the church that were recited in the church. Because the concern was that it would just become repetitious to us. And we remember Jesus' warning in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about fasting and giving and praying. And he says to the disciples, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. The word babbling has this idea of vain repetitions, useless repetitions, just saying words. And there are probably two things Jesus is wanting to, to address in this sentence, in this warning. One is praying prayers without thinking about it. Just, they're, just, they're just coming out of our words, coming out of our mouths, but they don't really, they're not things we're thinking about. And some people have said through the ages that that's why you shouldn't write out prayers. You know, because then you're, you're reading them and you're not really praying them. They ought to be spontaneous. And Maybe that's true, though I've known people through the years. I remember a man years and years ago in another church who, who would, uh, would, this was a concern of his, that uh, prayers ought to be spontaneous. And I always thought it was intriguing because when he prayed spontaneous prayers, they always sounded exactly the same. 
The problem's not repetition. The problem's what we do with it. And the same thing that can, we can repeat the words on a page and mean them from the depths of our being and they can, and they can be expressed in a way that we could never express spontaneously because we're thinking about it more by writing it down. Or we can, we can indeed, they can just be words on a page. And I think the other thing Jesus is combating here are, are, are prayers that we believe that if we just line up the words in the right way, at the right time, in the, in the right order, that we can manipulate God into doing what we want. And that's why he talks about pagan babbling, because the, in mo, the religions around Israel, there was a sense that if you, if you did the ritual just this certain way, at just a certain time, with just these certain things, then the gods would have to give you what you wanted. And in essence, you control them. And the heart of this, and Jesus says, the reason we don't pray that way is because that kind of praying assumes the gods don't want to give you good things. It assumes that you have to force the gods to do good for you. You have to manipulate and nag them and badger them. And Jesus says at the end of this teaching... Your heavenly father loves to give good gifts to his children. It isn't, it isn't something we have to pester him or convince him to do. He loves to do it. And so we have, but we still have these concerns about repetitious prayer. And yet, when we come to this, this picture of Marx in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says to us very clearly that Jesus prays a repetitious prayer. He he meets with his disciples. The disciples come with him. He leaves eight of them at the entrance. He takes Peter, James, and John into, into the garden further. And he says, stay here, watch while I go pray. And after a little while, he comes back. And, but in that prayer, he prays, Father, if this cup could pass from me. And he goes back to them, finds them sleeping, wakes them up. And Mark says, one more time, he went away and prayed the same thing. Father, if this cup could pass for me. And after a while, he comes back to the disciples and they're sleeping again. And he wakes them up and he goes back and prays again. And for at least an hour or so, if not longer, Jesus prays one prayer over and over and over again. Father, if this cup could pass for me. You want to say, come on, how long does it take to settle that? And yet here is Jesus, the very son of God, the most spiritual person to ever live. And he prays this repetitious prayer. This prayer that repeats this prayer over and over and over again. And I think there's some value in that for us. Yes, we can fall into the trap of things being repetitious. And we don't mean anything. But quite frankly, we will probably pray repeatedly about things that are important to us. Shouldn't we? I mean, we we keep bringing the important things back to God because they are important to us. And every so often, we find in Scripture God saying to someone, stop praying about that, it's done. He says that to Moses. Moses is not... Moses' punishment for disobeying God with the water and the rock is to not be able to go into the promised land. And, and in Deuteronomy, he's asking God again if he will change his mind. He says, just give me 
a couple of days over there. And God says to him, Moses, that's enough. This is done. No more. But that's, a, that's the exception that proves the rule. What we find over and over again in Scripture is people praying prayers repeatedly. Because it's what's important to us. We pray that God will, will set the world free from the bondage of sin. Because that's important to us. And we keep praying that prayer over and over again. We pray that God will fill us with the Holy Spirit. Because that's important. And we keep praying it. And God will make us loving and compassionate. And full of grace. And more like Christ. And we pray that prayer. We don't just pray that prayer once and then ignore it. The very fact that we keep praying it is an indication that it's important to us. So important that we can't stop praying it. Over and over and over again. It's the same way of praying for other people that we love, that we care about. Praying as we do each week for the persecuted church. And praying for the church in the world and the world at large. And, and we pray for people over and over again because... They're important to us. It's one of the ways in which we love people. And to stop praying for people is in essence saying they're not as important as they used to be. Every so often someone asks me, should we keep the names of people in the bulletin, the prayer concerns, for this long? Some have been in there for a number of years. Yeah. We keep praying for them because it's a way that we as a church can, can express compassion for them and love for them. And maybe as we keep praying week after week for these people, God will prompt us about ways in which we can, we can have a presence in their lives. Send them a note of encouragement. Stop by for a visit. Take them a meal. Whatever. But a way in which God works on us to help them. And the most natural thing in the world about things that are important to us and people that are important to us and circumstances that are important to us is to keep praying for them. It's good. I think that has something to do with why the disciples fail here in the garden. Jesus, when he comes back to them, chastises them a bit and says, look, you guys sleeping? You should be praying. Because this is, this is a hard time. The battles being won or lost right here in the garden. This is the time to pray, not to sleep. And I think the reason they sleep instead of pray is because they don't realize how serious this moment is. Jesus understands it and he prays again and again. They don't get it and they sleep. We look at the situation and we want to say... Wow, well, these guys are just, they're just relaxed in Jesus. No, they're ignoring an important situation. They're in denial about the truth. And sometimes we need to pray repeatedly about the things that, are, that, are, that we're wrestling with because it's a sign of, our, of the seriousness of the situation in our lives. It's a sign of our helplessness about those situations and that God is who we need. They don't recognize the danger of the temptation, so they don't pray. Jesus does. There are temptations and struggles and ways in which the enemy comes at us. And the most appropriate response is not to pray once and let it go. 
and say, well, okay, I prayed about it, now I can handle it. But it's to, to keep pouring out our hearts to God over and over again because we recognize we can't handle it. Only he can. In Luke 11, Jesus tells a parable of the man whose friend comes to his house for an unexpected visit. It's late at night. He has nothing to feed him. So he goes next door and he pounds on the neighbor's door, says, I, I had a friend come to visit. I don't have anything in the house. I need to borrow some bread. And Jesus says that the guy doesn't want to get up, but he will, and most translations say because of his persistence, he will get up and give bread to his friend. But that word persistence at its root really means helplessness. Because of his helplessness, because he realizes that his friend can't do anything about his situation. It's, he doesn't have time to bake bread. He is his only solution. And because he feels compassion for his, the need of his friend, he will get up and give him what he needs. It's not because he badgered him. It's because he recognized how needy this person was. And we come to God with our burdens and our concerns. And we, he realizes when we acknowledge we are needy. We are helpless. We can't do anything about this. We need you, Jesus. And we discover his compassion. And we keep praying about these things because we keep wrestling with them. We keep struggling with them. Quite frankly, we often keep failing with them. But we keep coming back to him. And he is gracious and merciful. And he's good. And in the end, what we are accomplishing is, it's one of the ways in which we surrender our hearts, our wills, to God. We talked last week about how Jesus in his prayer surrenders, not my will but yours be done. And you get the sense that it takes Jesus this whole time of praying in the garden to finally truly come to that place where he lets it go. And it seems to me that maybe the prayer of repetition is God's way of providing us time to line up our hearts with his. We'd like to think that we all just pray once, surrender to God and walk away and everything is great. And maybe sometimes that happens. But it seems to me that for most of us, it's a struggle. And instead of being afraid or ashamed of the struggle, we realize this is part of being human. We wrestle with things. And that's okay. And the prayer of repetition, as we keep praying about it, shouldn't discourage us. We keep bringing it back to God and asking him to help us surrender. And in that process, over time, we actually do. There are people, and there are circumstances, where people do surrender in a moment. But I think most of the time, it's a process for us. It seems to be for Jesus, or it wouldn't have been an hour praying about it. And if it's that way for Jesus, there's a good chance it's going to be that way for us. My fear is not so much about people who are genuinely, honestly, like Jesus, wrestling to surrender, to relinquish whatever God is asking 
My concern is when we do that way too quickly. And it becomes something that we just say with our mouths, but not necessarily with our hearts. We say it because it's the right thing to say. We're supposed to surrender. We're supposed to relinquish. That's what we're supposed to do. And it looks bad when we don't. And as I said, sometimes we're able to do that immediately. And we give thanks to God for that. But it seems to me that most of the time, that acquiescing is actually more denial about, what, about the real struggle than it is really surrendering and relinquishing. Because as human beings, it takes us time. And continuing to pray this prayer, continuing to repeat our prayer, is God's gift of time. To allow us to get to where he's asking us to be. Richard Foster talks about how we shouldn't be afraid of this struggle. Because it's sort of like little children when we begin to pray about a particular issue. We argue and we pout and we whine and we struggle. But that's what little children do. And eventually, as we mature by repeating our prayer and wrestling with the prayer, eventually we create spiritual muscles that allow us to surrender where we need to be. But we don't despise the earlier struggle, that's a part of developing the spiritual muscles that we need to really surrender. And we give thanks for that. And God is patient with us. When I mentioned a few weeks ago, when I was young, it was not uncommon, that, especially on a Sunday night after church, that people would come to the altar and they would pray about something they were wanting to give to God. And people would gather around them and pray. And when they finished praying, a question that was typically asked of them is, have you settled it? And if they said yes, they'd say, that's awesome, tell us about it. If they hesitated, typically one of the pastors, it was often my father, would say, Maybe we need to pray about this some more. And the group would go back to praying again. And I've witnessed times where that happened. That's very, this little question answer time happened three, four, five, six times until it was settled or until he said, I just don't think it's going to happen tonight. And we keep praying and we'll keep working and we'll talk some more. And that, getting to that last point was often called praying through. And it's, it's getting all the way, it's getting prayer all the way through to the end, not just part way, not just saying, yeah, I surrender, but not really that coming from our hearts, but truly understanding what God was asking and being willing to give it up and to die the death of whatever it was that God was asking us to relinquish and come to the end and really say, it's his. And to know that peace and joy of surrender. It's how we learn. You, you go into a, a new class and you're being introduced to things that you haven't thought about before. Sometimes we don't grab them real quickly. And you read material and you think, this is really, this isn't up my alley. I don't know where, what, what they're saying here. I don't get it. You have two choices. You can just keep reading and scan and keep going through it and act like you get it and then Face the consequences in the final exam. 
Or you can read it and 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 think about it and talk to people about it and ask questions and until eventually the light dawns and you say, oh, I get it now. And I find that when that happens, it's sort of a domino effect. When we get that thing, it's as though a whole bunch of other things fall into place for us. But the truth is, thinking like that and processing through things like that is hard work. And sometimes we don't want to do the hard work. We don't want to struggle with it. And sometimes we quit praying too soon. We give up too quickly. And God is calling us to this to the struggle. Let's be honest about it. Jesus is. Because without the honesty, without engaging ourselves fully in what God is asking of us, we won't ever get to the end that he wants for us. And the ultimate end that God wants for us is relationship with him. There are all kinds of facets and dynamics of prayer. We pray boldly, we pray courageously because we believe God can change things. And somehow in the way God has designed all of this, our prayers can make a difference. And I don't quite grasp all of that, but they do. But sometimes we think that the only reason we pray is because of something out there. And we do pray for that. But ultimately... We pray because of what God wants to do in here as we pray. And praying is as much about we who pray as it is about the things we're praying about. It's about coming to the place of understanding God's relationship with us and God and understanding God as Father to us, as Abba to us. Coming to see God for who he is and his compassion and grace and mercy to us. And that can only happen as we keep coming to God in prayer. I sometimes wonder if one of the reasons God doesn't answer our prayers as quickly as we would like is because if he did, we would stop praying. If we prayed once and it was done, we would pray once and be done. But because God doesn't answer as quickly as we would like, we keep coming back to him with our prayers. And the coming back to him brings us into his presence. And coming into his presence, we learn more and more about who he is and his desires for us and his passion for us as father. Years ago, I read about a guy who... It's probably, it probably took place, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago. Guy graduated from college and was trying to get himself established in the world. And as you can imagine, he had little or no money. And he got himself into a tight financial situation. And he had nowhere to turn. He had no other family except an older sister who lived on the opposite side of the country. And he wrote to her and asked if she could loan him $500. And he would pay it back $50 a month until it was done. And she was glad to loan him the money. So the first month came to an end. He wrote her a check for $50 and stuck a little note in there telling her a little bit about his life and what was happening. 
mailed it off. And she wrote back and thanked him. At the end of the next month, he wrote his $50 check and included a little note about his life and what was happening and caught her up on things and sent it to her. And the third month, he wrote the check and wrote her a note and sent it to her. And that continued. He got to the last month. And he wrote the check and he, and he wrote her a note thanking her so much. He was doing so much better. He'd gotten on his feet. He couldn't have done it without her and the whole thank you and here's what's happening and sent it off to her. And a week or so later, he received a letter back from his sister. And in the letter was another check for $500. And he said, she said, one stipulation that you pay it off $50 a month and you include a little note in there about what's happening in your life. She said, I don't know if I've ever felt closer, more connected to you than I have over these past 10 months when we've been communicating as you've been paying back this loan. And prayer is more than that. But in a sense, it is that. It is coming into the presence of God over and over again so that we can know who he is. Have relationship with him and him with us. And because knowing who he is, living in the presence of God as Abba Father changes us. And that's what he's after making us new, transforming us so that we will trust him more. So that we will pray bolder, more courageous prayers because we have begun to understand who he is as Abba, Father. I wish I could replicate this, could have replicated this in every service. But right about this moment, as I was preaching in the first service, a little girl in the balcony, I don't know, she's probably 18 months, 12, 12 months, began to say, dad, 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 dad. I mean, everybody, we were all hearing it, you know, as she's up there talking. I paused for a moment and I thought, that's it. That's it. That we have this yearning for our father. We keep coming to him. We want him. What relationship with him? We have discovered that if everything is taken away and all we're left with is God, that's enough. And we keep coming to him and saying, Father, Abba, 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 Abba. I would be surprised if We all haven't come today with something that is burdening us. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's something in someone else's life, maybe it's a concern that in our own lives something important to us. Maybe it's some temptation that we are really struggling to get through. Maybe it's something God has put his finger on our hearts and our lives and said, I need you to surrender this to me. Maybe it's just realizing that we aren't spending enough time with our Father. And we need to trust him. In this moment of silence, I want to encourage you to pray that prayer, whatever it may be. 
And to do it again tonight and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And allow God to use the prayer of repetition to transform us in whatever way he knows that we need. Let us pray. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for the privilege of coming to you again and again and again and knowing that you never tire of us. You find great joy in our prayers. Help us today. Give us grace to see who you are and to keep trusting you more and more every day as we offer to you our prayers. And we ask this through Jesus. Amen.
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.